0: Hey, this is Chad Brown. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com.
1: Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fan presents Chad and Nate. I was a fool
2: to
1: never leave your side Me, minus you a- such a lonely ride the breakup we had has made
2: me low and sad I realize I love you cause I
1: want you back hey, hey. I spend the evening with the rain happy
0: Wednesday out there to you Chad and Nate I selected this I song just for us partner. oh man yeah man. I missed you, man. It's been, uh, what, uh, eight radio days. Is that it? It feels like a lifetime.
3: Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, you were on vacation last week. Yep. And then we were shuffling shows and whatnot. And shoot, I was sitting there yesterday. And man, I didn't mean it. <laughs> you know, it's, I just had a few too many. And my cell phone died. And couldn't I couldn't get home. and. I, I'm sorry, man. It's all right, man. It's okay. It won't happen again. It's okay. No, no,
0: you know, it's okay. Sometimes you got to go out there and see what's
3: happening so you can appreciate what you actually have. <laughs> right? Right. So, uh, yes. And I'm back in uh and I'm back. We, we are back in the saddle. Good to see you, man.
0: Good to see you as well, my friend. Good to see you as well. Gosh, uh, what's happened since uh, we last were on here? Oh, I had a birthday. I turned 52. Wow. Yes. Did you, did you dunk? No, nope. As I've said many times, that time of my life is absolutely over. Why, dude? The dunks are done, man. Why, man? Get up. <laughs> no. Get up for it. You can I do it. Not. You got to train. You got to believe, man. I am not popping an Achilles for you. Just know this. Okay.
3: Yeah. Well, if you, like, so so I have a, a physical therapist that I've been going to, and we all have access to it as former players right. um, through Exos. as and, and a guy named Todd. He's really very knowledgeable, really smart and he listens to our show or from time to time and he he was like really bummed out that you have given that up and he's like dude tell chad to come see me we'll we'll have him dunk until he's 60 oh like it's 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 about how you train how you stretch you can do this man don't give up on it okay all right well
0: uh i, I have to admit there's a, there's a there is a fear of uh you know i'd put enough injuries on this body i don't want to add to it um you know to tear an acl for a birthday dunk or pop an Achilles um yeah man I'm, I'm 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 a little afraid uh I did not operate uh, most of my life with a sense of physical fear gosh for any part of my life until more recently but yes the fear of future possible injury has prevented me from uh, replicating the birthday dunk after age 50 cuz you just don't want to
3: go through the rehab process is that what it is Well
0: I just think you know if I were to pop an Achilles now uh, I don't think I would ever like recover Mm -hmm. you know i'd be one of those dudes walking around with the limp and you know so far despite what i did for a living i'm holding it together pretty well so i'm trying to just keep the old car going down the road you don't race old cars you appreciate them
3: yeah that's that's true 32 years you played football yeah that's so long (laughs) football's not to be meant to be played that long
0: 32 years of tackle football
3: That's bananas. Wow. So, yeah, the fact that you're walking at all (laughs) is pretty impressive. No limp. um, You're fit. So, yeah, I I would say stick to the program. Whatever you're doing is working. Trust your instinct there.
0: Yeah, I think I could still use for a little uh, therapy. Um, You know, I got rear-ended twice in the last year. Got a bit of a shoulder, neck, nerve issue. So there's definitely some things to be worked on. Uh, We are a week from Broncos training camp. Next Wednesday, you and I... We'll be out there broadcasting live from training camp.
3: Cannot wait, man. I spent six seasons here, so I had six training camps there at Dove Valley. I know it's going to bring back a lot of memories. Um, I think practice starts at 10 every day, so we'll be you know running our first hour before practice. Then we'll get to see the first hour of practice. We'll kick it over to Stokely and Zach, and then they'll see the second half of practice. But we'll be able to see... You know, warm-ups, individuals, maybe some one-on-ones, maybe some nine-on-seven. Who knows how long practice is going to be, but just being out there in that environment, getting to see the guys coming out, getting to, you know, see them up close, running around and seeing the coaching style of this coaching staff. I think to me that's the hugest question mark going into this season is how is this coaching staff going to perform? How are they going to operate? And training camp's is a really good indicator of what your philosophy is and who you are as a head coach. For example, are you hitting you know, how physical is it? Um, are you running guys after the fact? Are you doing conditioning? Are you disciplining dudes when they jump off sides? Things like that. Like, we used to, you know, if you jump off sides during practice, um, they'd mark your name down, and then at the very end of at, at practice, everyone would break down, and then they'd be like, Nate, Chad, Stink, and everyone else who, who messed up would have to come over and then do some extra running. And uh, that was never fun. And it helps you hold your water the next day. You know what I mean? <laughs> hold your water. Hold your water. That's uh that's slang for don't jump off sides. It's
0: mental, men. Listen to the snap count. Yes. Um. Your nostalgic feelings. Uh. Obviously, you've been over there more than just what we're going to do uh, starting next week, uh, being live from training camp. Uh, when you walk into that facility, you walk into that
3: practice field. Does it just instantly come back? Instantly, that's- man. I mean, the process of becoming a Denver Bronco was a surprise right. to me. I was I was a 49er one day, tap on the shoulder. We traded you to Denver. Next day, I'm in Denver. I'm a Bronco. I'm putting on a Broncos helmet, jersey, and that kick-started a six-year run here. So it was, you know, I'm getting chills thinking about it because it was such a fateful kind of circumstance for me. I had never been to Colorado. I'd never been to Denver. I'd never heard anything. I never knew anyone who had been here. Didn't know anybody on the Broncos. And so just the process of coming here to this city, learning about the community, learning about the team, the tradition, and just being under the tutelage of Coach Shanahan and his staff, and then being able to be around such, you know, established veterans like Rod Smith and Ed McCaffrey and Shannon Sharp and and uh you know, Jake Plummer and Al Wilson, Trevor Price, all those guys who were here when, when I got here. Was pretty special to me. And so I always, you know, feel that way when I go to Dove Valley. When I went there to cover the mini camp practices, I felt that feeling, you know, driving up and seeing the goalposts sticking up over the fence there. And obviously, they've added a lot to that facility. They built the field house, they built that big hill on the side, they, you know, built these towers for the camera guys to be able to go up in so they don't have to go in those mechanical things every day. Those cranes, yeah. (laughs) This sends them up there. Like if there's a lightning storm, like they have to like do that very slowly. Uh Um, So some things have changed, but a lot of stuff is the same. The same staff out there, the same PR, the same groundskeepers, same, you know, trainers, same equipment dudes, and obviously the same field in the air, feel in the air. So looking forward to being there.
0: I've always said there's, you know, there's two seasons in my family. There's football seasons and there's waiting for football season. Mm. Um, we are seven days away from the start of all that. I think some uh, training camps actually kick off of maybe a day or two before the Broncos do. So uh, it's that feeling. Now, you know, I don't get a chance very often. I don't live in you know in Seattle or Pittsburgh, so I don't get a chance to walk on those fields very often. But regardless of what football field I walk in, walk on, at some point I have to reach down and touch the grass or the turf. Mm. Uh, as a guy who spent a lot of time in you know three-point stance, um, that's just putting my hands on the grass and turf just brings it all back to me a little bit. Um, so, yeah, that I don't think that feeling ever goes away. I I'd imagine there's uh, listeners who only played high school football, who they get near a football field. They've got to do something down there. It's just such a ingrained part of our psyche as, as former football players and athletes.
3: So you were from the old school sort of where – Two a days work, two a day. Yes, uh, I, I did two a days as well, but we didn't like go full pads banging both days. Is that what you guys did? My
0: first training camp in Pittsburgh, we did two a days in pads for both two a days for two weeks in a row, no days off. That's absurd. It, it was bananas. Um, I, I just I remember probably uh, the start of week two, just thinking, you know i don't I'm not sure if this NFL thing is really oh be really for me really i'm not sure if i'm Ready cut to hang out. Up. if i'm cut out for this yeah you know everyone everybody goes, goes through that yeah. everyone goes through the woe is me moments particularly yeah. as a as a young player as a, as a rookie just because you're just not prepared for for what's happening and you know obviously the Steelers were a very physical minded team um we did a lot of hitting drills it was constant contact um yeah that was tough but I've never had a training camp experience as as difficult as that. as time went along Bill Cowher got a little bit softer. Uh, rules began to change. There began to be restrictions on things. And now we end up where the players, what, they I think they can only have 13 or 14 padded practices all year long. Mm-hmm. And, and I think they're limited to maybe 14 overall throughout all, all of training camp.
3: Okay, so, yeah, it's going to be, I think it's just one practice a day too, right? They're not doing anything in the afternoon? You can do a walkthrough. Okay. It can't be a practice. It has to be a walkthrough. Cool, yeah, and they got to do a ramp-up period, right? Yes. So they can't come in right off the bat, start hitting, uh, I think there's three or four days where they can't put on pads, so a little bit different. But it's still football. That's the thing; it's still football. So you got to find a way to prepare for Sundays because Sundays are still going to be extra violent. And if you're not prepared for that, if you haven't practiced that, if you haven't found a way to be physical during training camp, you are going to get your new your you know what ripped off. Absolutely. Uh, when
0: we come back. Uh, the Broncos have added some more hardware to their trophy case. Uh, you and I have often talked about the Broncos and their impact in the community. This is award for just that. We'll talk
1: about that next. It's Chad and Nate on Denver Sports Station, 1043, The Fan.
0: Uh, Nate, you and I have talked about all the ways that this organization uh, impacts uh, the community here um, and and what a Broncos town this ultimately is. And I think a big part of that is the Broncos community outreach and the things they do in the community. Um, And I've bounced around the league uh, enough to know that not every team functions at a high level in this regard. And it's not important to every organization, but you were uh, a part of this organization. and You've heard all those folks inside there talk about the community outreach, the things they need to do in the community, and the the impact they're looking to make.
3: Yeah, and it was always just kind of stressed. And um, yesterday it was announced that the Broncos won the uh, ESPN Sports Humanitarian Team of the Year award, which is given to the sports franchise that demonstrates how teamwork can create a measurable impact on a community or cause. The Broncos are one of two NFL teams ever to win the award. The 49ers did it in 2017 and only one of three organizations to be named a finalist three or more times. And so, yeah, the Broncos won it just this year. And the reasons why they listed them, they have a lot of them. They're like you said, they're very involved in the community. They got players volunteering more than 900 hours through 745 different engagements. They launched a gun buyback program in partnership with Denver and Aurora Council members and Colorado-based nonprofits, uh, Raw Tools. They contributed over $275,000 for Inspire Change programs and initiatives. They're the only professional sports team to fully fund its own branch of Boys and Girls Clubs of America, uh, which is close to me because the Boys and Girls Club was a big part of what we did as far as the outreach when I I played there. And there's one Boys and Girls Club in particular in Aurora um, where after Darren Williams... Was killed. They erected a, a statue of him out front, and, and that became kind of the flagship Denver Broncos Boys and Girls Club there. And, um, you know, like I said, they fund it, and they give them all the resources they need, and they've been doing that since 2003. Uh, they support 30 local nonprofits via the club's annual community grant program. They invest in the equity of female youth sports, which is huge, in the metro Denver area, with an emphasis on launching a girls' high school flag football pilot program, which will be fun. I've heard the NFL talk about wanting to turn flag football into an Olympic event. They are. They're very serious about that. Which should be pretty interesting. And then also they conducted staff community service series featuring in-person and remote monthly volunteer opportunities for Broncos, staff, and families. And I know that's just kind of a list of... Of a lot of things that they do, but for me as a player, it was clear. You just talked about bouncing around and seeing that not all teams devoted themselves to that. But as a player here, man, it was clear that that was a priority. You 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 had to go do stuff. You know, you had to get signed up for these days on on your day off where you would go and spend time with the boys boys and girls club or spend time, you know, um, serving food to to those in need or you know doing clothing drives or or going to different charity functions or autograph signings, and it was just like a very familial um, community kind of way to bring people together and make people like Justin Simmons, who's been here for six years on a losing team, want to stay here because of the magic of this community and the imprint on this organization. And I just think, um, you know, Pat Bolin and his family are to credit for that, and the people they hired to do the job. I just hope um, Mr. Walton continues that tradition.
0: I would certainly hope so. Uh, I will certainly hope so. The, the established community outreach and connection to, to the community is there. Uh, they don't have to uh, reinvent the wheel. Just follow along the example what the Bolin family, uh, help institute here with the Broncos. Uh, those kinds of things, they, they tie you to a team and you, it, it grows it from, uh, a job to, uh, a family, uh, familiar family kind of experience. And when you have veterans on the team who uh, take part in those things, then you feel maybe not, maybe pressure is not the right word, but more of a obligation because this is what this organization does to participate in those things. If you're a young player and you're just walking into the, the locker room out of college where these things maybe aren't a part of your college program, but when you see, you know, I'm sure Rod Smith was involved in these kind of things and you're in the same receiver room as Rod Smith. Well, if Rod's doing it, then I've got it participate and if Rod's the right kind of guy the right kind of leader he says hey man on Tuesday I'm going to go do this thing why don't you come with me uh, and, th- and then you start passing the torch down that's how these long term team to community relationships uh, get established uh, I was a, uh, a frequent uh, I don't know what you would call it, visitor, participant at the Boys and Girls Club in Pasadena. So of the list of things you ran down, that's the one that I'm loving right there. 14,000-plus underserved, under-resourced youth who have made the, uh, the Boys and Girls Club a home away from home since 2003, since the Broncos started sponsoring the uh, the only professional team in all of sports to sponsor their own Boys and Girls Club. That's awesome. That's significant. And this uh, award is very well-deserved.
3: Yep, uh, you always get some pushback on the text line, even when you're talking about positive stuff. So there's a text I want to address. It says, it would be special if players wanted to do it. If you have to do it, if you're forced to do it, that is not a sincere effort. Um, I guess that's one way to look at it, but like when you're a football player, a professional football player, that's your life, that's your world. You're, you're so focused on your own performance, your own journey. You're trying to be the best you possibly can on the field. And so it does take somebody to give you some perspective yeah, on absolutely. what's outside of that. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have somebody to kind of tap you on the shoulders or suggest something outside of that, something that's service based and not just pursuing your own journey, then yeah, you can get locked in your own thing. And so for, for me, I learned to appreciate this community and I made connections with people outside it because it was mandatory at first, but then you go out in the community and you realize that it's something that fills you up, that makes you feel good that connects you to the community, that makes you care about the the Broncos more because you see what it means to people out there when you're there. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, Justin Sims is a great example of a guy who probably came in and at first uh, was asked to go do something, and he said yes, and he went and did it. And he realized, oh, my gosh, this is where I feel at home, out here in service, um, using my platform to connect with people, so uh, that is a fairly cynical view of uh, of this. Obviously, players, you know, are not all. Oh, I, I want to do it. I want to do it. But when they go get to do it, they see how important it is, and then many of them make that a lifetime pursuit. So, um, kudos to the Broncos for giving these players that opportunity.
0: I think when you come in the door as a professional athlete, you think of yourself as a athlete first, and that you know supersedes everything. But as time goes along and you gain perspective, as you just mentioned, you maybe are asked and you go along begrudgingly to do one of these first events, then you, yes, to your point, you realize the impact that you've had. You begin to see the smiles on kids' faces or uh, the connection that the community has to you just simply because you get an opportunity to wear this particular uniform. And you recognize, I can do something here. I've got an impact here. So I have to imagine a lot of these guys who go back home and uh, maybe even here in this city who have football camps and things like that, maybe that wasn't high on their priority list, but once they are quote-unquote obligated or asked to participate in one of these things, that then becomes part of who they are. So yeah, there there may not be everyone walking in the door with this community service-minded uh, outreach kind of thing, but as time goes along, uh, you grow to recognize that this is part of your responsibility. Uh, and It kind of goes under the mantle of, hey, you're a professional athlete. You've got some obligation here to the community that ultimately puts money in your pocket and fills the butts in the stadium. So let me go out there and do something and eventually and doesn't take very long for you to learn that I get something out of this I actually take away more maybe than the people who you know I got a chance to meet and shake their hands and all that stuff so uh, kudos to the Broncos for making that happen Uh, hopefully texter we were able to enlighten you what's you know Which may be a, a reluctant first uh, opportunity for some young young NFL players, but then becomes a lifestyle and a part of who they are and a part of their you know professional um, resume so to speak
3: yeah, real quick um also in training camp, one of the one of the things I loved about training camp was the fans that come and sit and watch practice, like typically football practice is just you and the team, and the coach is yelling, and you know it 's stressful and you 're trying to get it right. But the energy that the fans would bring at training camp practice was always a shot of life for me. Just seeing them up there, um, bringing their families, wearing their Bronco stuff, cheering for big plays, and then hanging out afterwards for autographs. We would have to, you know, we wouldn't all sign autographs every day. Um, they would choose, you know, five or ten of us every day to go over there. And obviously you're not like, oh, me, me, I want to go sign autographs today. But when you go over there and start doing it and you see the the smile on these kids' faces and you have those connections, it's like, oh, then I would end up staying, you know, until I signed every last one that wanted me to sign it and lingering and talking to people because it is those human connections that make this meaningful.
0: Uh, when we come back, uh, I made a practice of... Every year before training camp, uh, writing my goals uh, for myself and my team on, on the bathroom mirror. Uh, Russell Wilson put an inscription on one of his cleats. We'll talk about what that was and what that means next.
1: You're listening to Chad and Nate on Denver's Sports Station. 104.3 The Fan. We've got some
0: pushback to our uh, cynical texter from the last segment. Um, you guys nailed it on the head. I was a, I was selfish as an athlete in high school. It wasn't until I started volunteering at a nursing home in Lakewood that my grandmother was at that I began to see outside of myself. Too bad some te- some texters can't see the bigger picture of how service changes you, even if the in the beginning you do it begrudgingly.
3: I will say, in in, in defense of the uh, that texter who texted in about it would be special if players wanted to do it. That person then responded, great response, much appreciated. Oh, okay. So I was just go. throwing it out there, you know, dev- devil's advocate. <laughs> <laughs> no big deal. You've got it. Uh, uh,
0: later on in the show, I want to uh, get to my uh, CU teammate and uh, Pittsburgh Steelers teammate, uh, Charles E. Johnson, not Charles S. Johnson, who you know, has uh, been on the fan many times as a radio host, but Charles E. Johnson, wide receiver, in the first round, I believe in the 1993 or 4 draft, uh, 94, uh, passed away um, at the age of 50. So I want to give a little shout-out to CJ as the show uh, goes along a little bit later. Um, so looking forward to celebrating my, my teammate and uh, his life. But uh, I teased out uh, at the end of last segment Uh, I wrote my goals uh, on the mirror so I could see them every day uh, in the bathroom before training camp. Some personal goals, some team goals. How did you go about uh, putting your goals down? Did you write them on a piece of paper? Did you you write them on your tape, on your wristbands? What was your thing?
3: I wasn't really a write-your-goals-down type of guy. Oh, really? No. As much of a writer as you are. Yeah, no. I was more of a just like, I'm trying to be my best every day. I got to go out there, you know, I I didn't have like a, now I, I, as my career went on, I did have like, oh, I want to get X number of touchdowns. You know, it was, it was based on the incentive structure of my contract and what I'd, you know, make if I did this and that. But my reality was as a player, as a, as a guy who was always sort of on the fringe and needed to perform every day to stick around on the team and always was having guys come in who were supposed to replace me and whatnot, that I needed to just perform every day. Every day at practice, to me, I had to treat like a game. Now, I wasn't going to be a jerk about it and, um, you know, be putting guys in vulnerable positions or doing stupid stuff. But I needed to go out and not only be consistent, not mess anything up, not jump off sides, not make any mental mistakes, but be consistent with, um, you know, being an executor. But also I had to make plays every day. I had to make special catches. I had to make a play that made the coaches go upstairs when they watched film and said, Look at that catch! We can't cut Nate. Mm. You know, every day I had to give him a reason not to cut me. Mm-hmm. So that my goal was to number one make the team, and and number two be a contributor on the team. Now I believe that if you throw the ball to me every single play, we're going to win every single game. Right. But uh, there was also a realistic. Kind of approach to where 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 how the team is structured, and so for me, I and but even in college and high school stuff, I was never like write down my goals type of thing. I just wanted to be my best all the time. I wanted to win, win the one on one matchups, win the games, you know, win every opportunity I I had to do so, and that was the the way I went about it.
0: Uh, My freshman year high school football coach made the whole team write their goals down. And you didn't have to you know, put them up in your locker or anything. Some guys did after that. But he was like, it can be just for you. It can just be private. Whatever your goals may be, write that down. So every year since then, uh, I would write them down before the, before the, at the very start of training camp and kind of set a tone for things. Um, but to your point, once I was in the NFL, I, I was in a different situation than you were. So the basics of, is my key card going to work tomorrow, were kind of taken care of. So I could focus on a little bit more lofty kind of things. Uh, do I, you know, trying to be defensive player of the year, double digit sacks, lead the team in tackles, uh, Pro Bowl, all those kinds of things. So, yeah, a little bit uh, of a different experience just because of where we were,
3: uh, I suppose in, in our careers. Which is, which is, I think, instructive because you got guys from, From all these different situations coming to be part of this team. You got 90 dudes right now, right? Russell Wilson is obviously the very, very top, but you got the bottom half of the roster trying to make the team. There are 40 plus, almost 40 guys who are not going to be on this active roster who are right now on the team. You know, you got what, 16 practice squad dudes. But Russell, you have to meet them in their space. You know what I mean? And you have to convince them that we're all in this together and how do we do that you know is it what is it about is it about the yards is it about the touchdowns obviously what you're about to get into no it's about the trophy right right and, and so you're going to need every swing in richard believing in what you're doing to go get that trophy
0: yeah so this is all coming about because during that hype video that russell wilson released uh he had a message that he uh, had on his cleats about the Lombardi trophy that said Fourth coming soon. Talk about bringing a fourth Lombardi Trophy here to the Denver Broncos. Um, And to your point, yeah, obviously Russ, his key card is going to work tomorrow. He's going to get paid. Uh, So all the basics of making the club are, are handled. And he can begin to think about lofty goals like that. But, you know, in order for that to happen, Russ and Nathaniel Hackett need to find a way to bring their fit together and make sure they're working with each other to
1: ensure that they are on the same page. I think it's going to be about Russell Wilson's mindset. And I love the fact that he's talking about getting a fourth or winning another Super Bowl because he can't go there trying to win the MVP. Remember, we was all like, let Russ cook, let Russ cook. It's time for Russell Wilson to be unleashed. I believe Russell Wilson needs to play within himself. They have great backs in Denver, especially starting with Javante Williams, skill on the outside, but it's going to be about producing wins. And if playing as Nathaniel Hackett wants him to play, getting the ball out of his hand quickly, putting the football in the hands of playmakers— makes this offense more explosive, I believe Russell Wilson will do that. He understands that his legacy is set. He is a very good quarterback. He's a great quarterback to some that will be a Hall of Famer. But when you look at Russell Wilson, it's about getting that ring, getting that Super Bowl that we say is his. That he was the driving force to leading a team to that game. And we haven't seen that from him, whether it's the one they run earlier in the season or earlier in his career, or as his career grew and he became the guy not getting his team there. That's what Denver is about for both Russ and the Denver Broncos.
0: That was Ryan Clark from ESPN, and I think Ryan did a tremendous job there in in, in a minute and two seconds, really framing what this Russell Wilson experience is going to be about for Russell Wilson's legacy, because for the most part, his legacy is built. He has been a great quarterback in this league, but when the Seahawks won the Super Bowl, it was Uh, Really about that great defense, the Legion of Boom. It wasn't about Russell Wilson. Um, And uh, outside of that uh, loss to the Patriots, he wasn't able to get them back there once it became a Russell Wilson show in Seattle and less about the defense. So he's got to find a way to, yes, not chase the MVPs, but chase getting a ring and bringing a fourth Lombardi trophy here to Denver.
3: Yeah, I agree with Ryan uh hundred percent. Uh Hundo P as the kid said. <laughs> have you heard him say Hundo P? Uh I have heard that, yes. Makes me want to barf. It's, but uh
0: <laughs> it's not that hard to say hundred percent. It's not that many syllables, kids. Hundo
3: I was right. Young ones too. <laughs> <laughs> but um no I agree with that because Russell wants to be the best ever. He wants to be the goat. That's why he wants to play for twelve more years. Like, who wants to play football till they're 45? I mean, you play till you're 38. Right. That's crazy. You were playing linebacker, too. So it was a little, little different. Quarterbacks actually, they have a pretty good life. Uh, they don't get hit. Um, and, um, they make a ton of money and, and they're celebrated as heroes forever. But if you want us to supplant Tom Brady as the greatest of all time, do you have to get as many rings as him? I no, think, actually, that's not true. No, you don't, because some people say that Peyton Manning is better than Tom Brady or was, even though he doesn't have seven rings. Right, right. So there is a there is a bit of a consternation and there's some nuance when you're talking about who's the best is ever. I think if Russell Wilson comes here and wins three Super Bowls, oh my goodness, then we could maybe talk about him in that light. Uh, he he, if he won three Super Bowls here in Denver,
0: yes, and he is in the Joe Montana, Tom Brady conversation yes because it's ultimately being a great quarterback is awesome Dan Marino but your legacy is really going to be uh made all that much more greater by the number of rings and and Lombardi, uh, Lombardi trophies you have brought to your organization
3: yep and so and so how many yards you know did Joe Montana throw in in those four seasons where you won a Super Bowl I don't know. Nobody knows. Right. Right? You won the Super Bowl. Right. You're the Super Bowl MVP as well. So that's what people remember. Those rings. And uh, what do you need to get those rings? You need the whole team. You need the whole team going in the same direction. You need this defense to play really well. Like you talked about, the best years that Russell had in Seattle was when the defense was playing its best. Right? Mm -hmm. And so this running game clearly, I think, is a strength of the offense. Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon, who both proved themselves last year and proved that they could actually be a one-two punch, could work well together in that room and, and not let their egos get in the way. I think Nathaniel Hackett will allow them to continue that. These receivers, to me, a lot of talent, but very unproven last year. You can blame it on the quarterbacks. You can blame it on Pat Shermer. But you can find receivers on other teams with bad quarterbacks and bad OCs who put up better numbers, right? Mm-hmm. So these, t- these, these receivers right now have a lot to prove. They're jockeying for position. Who's going to be Russell's favorite? Who's going to be his long ball favorite? How are they going to dial that up? Who's going to be Mister Reliable? Who's Russell going to look to on third and eight to move the sticks? Nobody knows that yet. So I think there's going to a lot that has to unfold, and I think a huge question mark is just the youth or relative inexperience of this coaching staff.
0: Uh, when Nathaniel Hackett first uh, got to uh, Green Bay. Uh, I think there's always a, a natural inclination from a veteran quarterback to uh, push back a little bit uh, when somebody wants to change their game and uh, change the way which, within they operate. Obviously, this is going to be a change for Russ. We know Nathaniel Hackett is going to try to bend his system, but in that process, well, Russ has got to bend as well. So when we come back, I want to hear, hear more about this attempt to blend their styles together
1: to create a good fit. That's next. <laughs> Could the key to beating Mahomes, Herbert, and Carr actually be on the offensive side of the ball? The best way to beat those
2: guys is to keep them off the field. The best way to do that is with a power running game. That could be the Broncos' difference maker. Draft
1: Javante Williams to Fantasy Team. We are on the road to training camp 2022. Ready to ride at DenverFan.com and Denver Sports Station. 1043 The Fan. Hey, it's
2: Mike Evans. It's the summer barbecue season, and family-owned Siltahar Motors has the recipe for success for today's car buying experience. Research, shop, and compare vehicles at all five dealerships with a few clicks at sthmotors.com with new and used cars arriving daily. Then call and come in and test drive the latest hot models, including the all-electric F-150 Lightning and Mustang Mach-E, or the Ford Bronco full-size, available to buy today. Conveniently located at Highway 36 in Wadsworth, Siltahar Motors. Get everything you want out of a
1: dealership. MVP's bonus days are here for pros. For 12 days, pros save big and MVPs get even more. Because MVP's Pro Rewards members can earn bonus points to redeem for rewards. Earn points on every dollar, spent up to $1,000, and get up to three times more points when you shop select brands and products. Find MVP's bonus day savings from July 11th to the 22nd in-store and online. Exclusively in Lowe's, exclusively for pros. MVP's Pro Rewards program, subject to program terms and conditions. Details at Lowe's.com slash L slash pro loyalty term. Subject to change. A fit and
2: healthy Cecil Lamy here for my friends at SodaWeightLoss.com. That's SodaWeightLoss.com, and I just want to thank Thank SodaWeightLoss.com for giving me my life back down 55 pounds. Hearing from people now via email, via social networking. Hey, Cecil, I just signed up with SodaWeightLoss.com and I'm down 19 pounds in 19 days. It worked for me. It can work for you as well because SodaWeightLoss.com, it's not a diet, okay? These aren't pills. You're not counting anything. This is learning how to eat, what to eat, and when to eat. And through the science of how to eat, what to eat, and when to eat, You'll lose weight with SodaWeightLoss.com. It worked for me and down 55 pounds. I've been on maintenance since January. So feeling fit, feeling healthy, feeling so good. No more aches and pains. Look great. Clothes fit great. I feel fantastic. Thank you. SodaWeightLoss.com. You want change? Begins with that phone call. SodaWeightLoss.com. That's S-O-T-A. Let me finish. State of the art.
4: Her face lights up whenever you're around. That's why the diamond you give her can be like any other. At Williams Jewelers, exceptional brilliance is in our DNA. I'm Bruce Williams. And I'm Steve Williams. We grew up in the diamond business. And as direct diamond importers, we personally hand-select every diamond. Going through hundreds at a time, looking for what really matters life. Like people, no two diamonds are the same. Some just sit there and then there are those rare gems that explode with fire and brilliance. A diamond that shines like no other. And surprisingly, it's rarely about price. No one sells a more beautiful diamond for less. That's the Williams Diamond guarantee. So if you found the woman who loves like no other, give her the diamond that shines like no other from Williams Jewelers, where Colorado shines. Williams Jewelers
2: in Cherry Creek North and in Inglewood, where Colorado shines.
0: Right now at Wendy's, mix and match two great breakfast items like the sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit or the bacon, egg, and Swiss croissant for just three bucks. Only in the Wendy's app during breakfast hours. Limited time only.
1: Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fan presents Chad and Nate.
0: When I was 14 years old, and this song came on. Yeah, I had to, I had to get my breakdancing going. Get some up rock, little,
1: back,
0: little backspin, little headspin. You can breakdance. Uh, I could. I'm sure I, with enough practice, I could, I could probably bring it back. But uh, it's been a long time since
3: I've done a headspin. I want to see you bring it back. I want to see you bring it back.
0: You want to see the headspin.
3: Rock the bells, man. Yeah. Okay. Maybe all right. not the headspin, but the backspin and. All right, now, can I'll you see. pop and lock and doing all that.
0: Yeah, I'll see if I can find a uh, a shiny sweatsuit to pull all this off in.
3: And put some cardboard you know, down it, on the yes.
0: ground. Uh-huh. Mm. Yeah, I got some. I'm get my duct tape going, tape it
3: down. Yeah, put a tip jar out there. We could send you <laughs> up on 16th Street Mall, man. <laughs> Look at Chad
0: Brown do a, a backspin, bring it up to a windmill. Well, wow, Chad, I thought you were doing well, man. And then you know, bust it out with my b-boy pose at the end. There we go. Uh, this uh, offense, uh, we've you know talked about Nathaniel Hack and Russell Wilson them. The meeting of the minds. Uh, I think both guys. I think it's impossible for a quarterback and an offensive coordinator to always be on the same page. Uh, I heard uh, Mike and Mark this morning. Uh, Mark was talking about some of his conversations with Doug Flutie and how Doug Flutie hated double moves because, as a smaller, shorter quarterback, um, by the time he did the pump fake, yeah. then the the rush was getting on him and he couldn't see where that receiver was down the field. So his preferred method of the deep ball was just a go route right. versus a double move. And so from a coordinator standpoint, yeah, if you run stop routes and out routes and all that, then the double move is a natural progression off of that. You know, let's fool this defensive back. But if your quarterback doesn't feel comfortable with it, despite it being a clear natural progression in football one on one, if I do that, then I have to do this. This is where this meeting of the minds needs to come together for both these guys to, to be on the, the same page. Uh, Jeremy Fowler was on Get Up this morning talking about just that.
4: Here's a league officials and coaches that I've talked to are watching. How does Russell Wilson's style of play mesh with new head coach Nathaniel Hackett because Hackett had Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. Rodgers learned to get rid of the ball quickly, won MVPs. Well, Russell Wilson for as great as he is the knock on him as he sits back there and takes sacks and doesn't get rid of the ball. So somebody's going to have to have a shift in thinking. I'm hearing the Broncos will tailor some of their offense around Russell Wilson and his skill set particularly the deep ball and his explosive instincts and in playmaking but he's going to have to change how he gets rid of the ball as well and that could take some time, resulted in
3: some growing pains early on. Yeah, um, Nathaniel Hackett is part of that old school, quote-unquote, West Coast system. That's what Aaron Rodgers talked about, and it's a lot of it is the quick pass game, get the ball out of your hands. Aaron Rodgers went uh, into depth talking about the double stick. The double stick is a, is a staple route uh, combination. The inside guy does a stick, which is basically a little five-yard out. That's the tight end, and he can just kind of... He 's kind of hook up in there he 's supposed to look at the zone he can come out of it if 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 he 's in man or or if you know that 's where the open area is, but if it 's a zone, you could just kind of hook up right there and the and the outside guy does a stick as well a little five yard out so you got to get the ball out of your hand quick. Three steps and let it go. Um, And you are obviously pre-snap, understanding where you're going to go, and you're on time, boom, and that's a five-yard gain. If you break a tackle, that could be 11, 12. If you break two or three tackles, that's a touchdown, baby. So as a receiver, I think it's really important also to get these uh quick game routes going early to get the, like, look, Jerry Judy's had drop issues, right? Colton Sutton at times last year had drop issues. Tim Patrick, who went through, I don't know, two or three years and didn't drop a ball, last year had dropped like five. So you want to get these guys the ball in their hands early, always as a receiver in college. And I caught a lot of passes in college, and I always like to just get my hands on the ball early with a little quick slant, a quick hitch, a smoke route, a swing route, something to just get that feel of the ball, get hit once, once or twice, and now I'm into the game. And so I think it's important that you know Russell Wilson understands that part of this offense. But look, they are collaborating. Nathaniel Hackett has said, I'm going to build it around Russell Wilson and what he feels comfortable with. The question is, is that the right way to do it? To do something that guys just feel comfortable with? Like, at what point do you get stretched? At what point does being stretched out of your comfort zone make you better? Doing things that you may not feel comfortable Mm. in make you a better, more complete player and actually give you the ability to activate the other players around you. Because if everything that makes you feel comfortable, at the same time, limits the opportunities for those around you. Is that the right offense for this team?
0: Yeah, and in Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers had to shift his mindset from looking for the most favorable matchup to getting the ball out of your hands. And I, I, if once something becomes a mindset thing, I, I as a quarterback, I walk to the line of scrimmage. I know all the routes, but I'm looking for the matchup versus the the getting the ball out quickly. Uh, that's a hurdle to overcome. And Aaron Rodgers was able to do that. And so now for Russell Wilson to, I think, t- change his mindset from looking for the big play, the explosive play, trying to extend the play, with just accepting what the defense gives you. It may feel like you're turning down something, but there's, you know, there's no, there's no, uh, some bad thing to make some money every single play.
3: Right. Um, as a receiver, it is a bummer when they call a route, go into your side, you have off coverage, you run a hitch route, and they don't throw it to you. You know what I mean? Cause, Nine times out of 10, or especially at practice, you're throwing that ball, right. right? I'm open. That was the play call. That's where you're supposed to go first. Let's, you know, let's take that easy money. And so as a, as a receiver, you do get frustrated when those obvious throws aren't thrown to you. But at the same time, as a receiver, it's also, I liked it when you have a quarterback who wants to make something special happen as well, mm-hmm. who never feels like the play is over, who, who wants you to go, you know, when he's scrambling, someone make a play. And he's extending the play, and a lot of beautiful things happen at that moment. You look at Patrick Mahomes and the connection he's had with Travis Kelsey in particular, but Tyreek Hill, a lot of those plays happen off-schedule. Josh Allen, off-schedule. Like Tom Brady, not off-schedule. You know, he's not he's not exiting the pocket and trying to make things happen and extend plays. There's different ways to quarterback in this league, but I think a quarterback who has both of those, the ability to be on-schedule but then also off-schedule, really opens things up for an offense. As a receiver, you got to be... On your toes though, because all of a sudden, you know, if you're on the right side and you run like a a comeback, for example, but the quarterback exits the pocket to the left and you're on the right sideline, you can't just stand there. You got to give your you got to give him a throw. How do you give him a throw? You come straight along, uh, basically along parallel to the line of scrimmage, to the other sideline, running with Russell to Mm -hmm. give him a a throw, and maybe he'll see you. So everybody's got to give him a throw. One guy goes deep, everybody else goes to the sideline where he's going. Maybe if you're already deep and he can't hit you, somebody comes back to him. But that's the type of stuff that we would typically dial up at practice. It's called scramble drill, and you wouldn't do it very often. Um, Jake Plummer was big in in that department as well. But it seems as if, based in minicamp, they did that day one. And it should be part of everyday practice with them because Russell does that. He was sacked 179 times in his last 62 games. Mm. So he has a propensity to hold it too long, but also make big plays. There's a fine line there. I like being aggressive. I like taking chances. So I don't want to coach that out of Russell too much. But um, it has to be reined in a bit.
0: Yeah, I don't want to turn this guy into a robot. Um, And defensively, if you are always within the the play structure, that actually makes you easier to defend. But once a quarterback and a receiver or a tight end have some kind of unspoken uh, connection, uh, Kirk Warner and Marshall Falk, uh, when I was you know when the when the Rams well when the Seahawks moved to the NFC West from the AFC West, trying to deal with those guys and their unspoken connection wasn't possible because you could watch all the tape you wanted in the world. They, what they were doing wasn't based on the playbook. It was based on a feel. Well, Marshall thought he could get open, and Kirk Warner had such a trust that he would just throw the ball to him. Uh, that makes things almost impossible to defend. So a, a coordinator wants to coordinate coordinating offense in a way that lines up with the playbook, where he's setting plays up and he wants a quarterback to get his ball ball out of his hands. But at some point, you got to go out there and you got to revert back to what you did when you were ten or twelve years old. And hey, man, get open. Yep, you know. Try to get to the third car on the left, and after that, you, you got to find a way to get open.
3: I'm going to put it up to you and grab it. Yep, and sometimes the play call is wrong. Sometimes a coach doesn't call the right play, and it's up to the players, if you don't, audibilize and get out of it to make a play. You know, you can watch all the film you want. You can spend all the time in the classroom you want, but the film won't teach you how to make a play. Mm-hmm. you got to do that yourself. The, the, the structure of an offense is the framework Off of which you go make plays. You execute, it puts you in a position to make the play, but you gotta be the guy who goes and catches it, right? You gotta be the guy who breaks the tackle, or you gotta be the guy who makes the tackle on defense. Your coaches can put you in position, they can't make the play for you, you gotta do that yourself. And so these guys gotta unlock the playmaker in them. Another one of my critiques of these receivers last year, they didn't feel like they were connected to the playmaker inside of them. Like nobody was out there, like, I'm gonna make this play, I'm gonna make a special play. And that's what I want to see from these receivers because I believe they have the ability to do that—the skill, the size, the athleticism, the hands. We just got to unlock it somehow, and I think Russell can do that.
0: I, I think what you're talking about—that that that confident mindset—only uh, comes when you have some success. It's hard to be that guy or think that way when you know you're scoring 15 points a game. Um, but with Russell Wilson as the quarterback with the optimism of uh, Nathaniel Hackett in this offensive system, uh, I believe we will see that mindset from this group of receivers. And, uh, you know, the competition in that room, I think also will bring about some of that more swagger kind of receiver feel that we know when receivers are, are playing at a high level that they operate under. Uh, when we come back, uh, we got our distractions segment, and uh, you've got some Football cards from the past, a blast from the past. We'll dive into all that next.
3: Hey, this is Nate Jackson. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com.